Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. One of the keys to, like, maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. Hello and welcome to another episode of An Irishman Running Abroad with me, Jarlath Regan, an Irish running legend, Sonia O'Sullivan. Sonia, you're back in Australia. I, I didn't know you were going, first of all. I think it, it happened quite suddenly. It must be head spinning to be back there now in a quarantine hotel. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's totally mad. I suppose, you know, I didn't really know when I was going to come back and then my flight kept getting cancelled and then I was postponed on December and I was like, okay, well, I can handle the first of December and two weeks, and, you know, you'd be free for Christmas. And then that got cancelled. And I thought, oh, no, this could be next year now. So um, then I had to kind of start looking around and see, you know, what what else, what other options I had. And there was a group of athletes from Australia who Nick, my husband, who he coaches and manages and they were heading back. And one of the athletes went back early, so there was a free seat. And they kind of said, do you want to take that? And you had to decide really quickly. And I said, OK, I'll come. And we were hoping to have a bit of a athlete training camp when we got back here, where they could you know, be in an area where they could have a bit more freedom and maybe be near a track or a field, at least, to run around. But the cost was just too much, so we couldn't do that. So then we just had to do what everybody else is doing here and you go to a, a quarantine hotel for two weeks and you know it's a bit of luck of the draw what you end up with so yeah i'm in a hotel in brisbane now well i've seen i've seen a few of my friends do this and it's as close to prison as most of us will get hopefully tell us how big is your room and can you at all run or is it like a prison in that you know you need a uh a chaperone to get outside and you've got designated exercise time. Yeah, so it's, I suppose it's a bit of a luxurious prison, you know, I mean, it is a decent room. It's, I mean, you definitely can't complain about the room. It's, um, it's a nice room. It's got a fine big TV, but you know, there's only so much of that you can take and a nice room is great if you're sleeping here and you're going out exploring for the day. But um, when you're trapped in here and yeah, the only way you can exercise is to, um, you have to call up the police who are downstairs and you tell them you want to go on the list to go on exercise. And then, then they, they say, okay, well, so someone will come up to you, but you don't know if they're going to come in five minutes or if they're going to come in an hour. And oh. if you, <laughs> so that true, that really true me this morning. Cause I, as soon as I woke up this morning, and I was a bit stressed when I got in first because my room, it doesn't, it has a window, but you can't open the window. Oh, Lord. So, 
and the police who met us last night off the plane and took us on the bus here, they must have sent like the cheeriest group of police, you know, because they were all <laughs> happy as anything. Yeah, send the smiley you know. guys that nobody feels yeah. like they're going to jail. <laughs> like we were going on a holiday camp, you know. <laughs> they, were, they were kind of like drawing us into this thing. And he said, oh, yeah, no, it's great. You can go and exercise, you know. You know, you can go out anytime you like. Just call up and they'll take you down. And there's a place where you can walk around. So, uh, yeah, when I called them up this morning and, uh, you know, they couldn't say, yeah, you can go, in, you know, at seven o'clock. And I said, they just said, oh, they let you know on the way up. So then I kind of thought, oh, well, I'll just start unpacking here and sorting things out and kind of keep myself busy. And um, then next thing there's a knock on the door. And I, of course, I wasn't ready then. <laughs> so I was thinking, I said, oh, I said, I thought you were going to call me first. So I said, I'm just going to put on my shoes and. You know, it had about five minutes to get ready. And I was thinking, oh, no, this is eating into my time now. <laughs> I'm going to have 15 or 20 minutes down here. <laughs> They'll be calling me in. But it actually wasn't too bad. Like, well, the the actual, I suppose, the size of the exercise spot isn't massive. It's about 130 meters for a lap. I did a few laps walking to kind of suss it out. And then... Um, once I was all set up, I, I decided I would time a lap and see how far and how long it would take. And it took me 37 seconds. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you are a hamster in a wheel. This is crazy. <laughs> I was mad. So then I, I did a few laps and I thought, OK, I'll run for five minutes and then I'll do a few drills and different things. And um yeah, no, it, it definitely, it feels like you're swimming in a bathtub, you know, you're just yeah. constantly turning and up and down steps. And uh, and then eventually I stopped and talked to a, another girl who was out walking and um, she'd been here 10 days. So I said, come on, we'll, we'll just walk and talk then. And you don't know then if you're going to get stopped from doing that, you know, and we have to wear, you have to wear a mask when you're out there. Yeah. Um, so she, she became your red and your Andy Dufresne. <laughs> yeah, so she's been here 10 days, so she knew all the ins and outs of how it worked. <laughs> a woman who knows so how to get a few things. Uh, so she, she 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 has all the tips and, and the tricks of how the place works. Do you feel like you can't picture being there for two weeks? I mean, I know it's not prison, but like if you're used to being outside as much as you are, there must be a little bit of concern in you. How the hell am I going to do this? Um, well, I think now that I've accepted that I have a room and the window doesn't open, but I can actually go outside. I've kind of started to just accept it and realize that, you know, I just have to deal with it. And, and I think that's like anything, you know, it's how you kind of mentally approach it is how you're going to deal with it and deal with it best, I suppose, and just break things down. And even like simple things like unpacking your bag and sorting out the food and the food that's another thing you get your <laughs> yeah how does that like, work I, i'll post up a picture later of the uh, you know the introduction to the food that we got last night and uh, so they drop a bag at your door for breakfast for lunch and for dinner and you can you can send in your requests if you have any special dietary needs or whatever but um yeah, it can be luck of the draw. You you, you might get what, what your request or so, you might not. So who pays for this? Like, I know it seems like a silly question. Like, do you do you pay for this or like, is this government funded? No, you, since July, yeah, you have to pay for it yourself. And if it's, you can't uh, pay for it, you can't come to Australia. Well, I think they they have some 
things where you can apply for, I suppose, what we, um, grants or something, you'd have to prove that you're unable to pay for it. But it costs $2,700. I think that's an average price. It can be a little bit lower or a little bit higher depending on where you are, which city you're in. Well, we're here for you, Sonia. Uh, we, I would encourage the listeners to send Sonia a tweet or whatever to keep the spirits up. It seems really fitting that you find yourself in this really difficult and awkward situation for the episode that we have for our listeners today. This is the coaching episode that, that lots of people have been tuning in for weeks now to hear your coaching tips for me, someone who has never run before and someone who you have taken from zero to running 10k fairly handy this weekend. I'm really, really proud yeah, of myself. I, could, I <laughs> could, actually couldn't be- could not believe it, Sonia. I honestly couldn't wrap my head around it, as well as that knocking five minutes off the time that I ran last Sunday. It is pretty miraculous. I give myself a little bit of credit for it. Somebody in the Strava group said I need to be careful that uh, David Walsh will be on to me <laughs> if I'm not careful. <laughs> it is an area, though, the way you coach and the way that you've coached me speaks to a wealth of experience that you have in this over the years. Different views, different angles, different takes. Yours is a uh, I know I'm not getting the full experience, the face to face, but you have a very uh, less is more approach, I think it's safe to say. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I think I like to hand over a bit of responsibility to anybody that I'm coaching that they have to listen to their own body. And, you know, I'm happy to answer any questions, but I'll give you the program to do and I'll explain it as best I can. But I would, you know, give you the responsibility of asking me the question if yeah. you don't understand something. And is and, that because um, of how I mean, you were you were coached? Like you, you know, the the research that I do for the podcast uh, means that I've a ridiculous level of knowledge on your career and life. And it seems like most people said that the extraordinary thing about you was that you didn't need your hand held and that you were very much no fuss. Just give me the program and let me get on with it. Yeah, a lot of the time, probably most of the time, all the coaches I've had, yeah, they would write me out a program and I would just go off and do it. And, you know, as years went on, I did meet my coaches at the track, but only once or twice in the week. And then we would communicate by phone. We wouldn't have a lot of conversation before a session, but more afterwards with the feedback. So I'd be given the feedback of how I felt about the session. And then I would get the feedback back of what that meant and, you know, what that would mean I would do next. And that just seemed to work for me. You know, I think I quite, I liked to take control of the session. And probably from a young age when Sean Kennedy, my one of my first coaches who wrote out a program for me, you know, slipped the two-week program in, in through the letterbox on his way to work. And... Um, Sometimes I would interpret the program around the days that worked for me. And, you know, I was only 15, 16 years old at the time. But depending on what I had to do at school or if I had a half day off school, I used to move the days around, not knowing that, you know, <laughs> the days There's are a reason in that, they're there. Yeah, the reason they're in that order. And I think I might have noticed this with you last week. Did you do two hard sessions back to back? Yeah, because the I think it was the Monday. I just it just didn't 
suit. The, the, the previous week, I couldn't do the Monday session because there was a knife wielding gang in the area, which is, oh, I guess, right. <laughs> one of the uh, great parts of living near London. But yeah, I just thought I, I, I have a kind of weird pedantic thing that I needed to catch up on the training, which, you know, is obviously bullshit. And I should have I should have been more conscious and taken the rest day. And we'll get to that later on. But yeah, you, you, there's a reason for to get back to your point. There's a reason that the days are where the days are. Yeah, I mean, generally, it's a good idea to have a rest day or two between hard sessions. And I mean, what you were doing there, you you know, the level that you're at at the moment, you can get away with that because, you know, it's not that extreme and it's not too taxing on you. And if you couldn't do the second day, then you wouldn't do it because you wouldn't be able to. But obviously you were able to do it, so it was fine. But, yeah, it's definitely something to kind of watch out for, you know, as you start to run a bit more and you start to get a bit faster, that you don't back back up two hard sessions in a row um, because you need to give your body time to absorb the training. And, you know, you do that by either having a day off or going for an easy run or doing some cross training. So we said last week before we left that uh, we would dig into that was obviously a a profound moment in terms of your development was realizing the days are in the order they're in with the rest days for a reason it's not a shopping list just get all the stuff done by the end of the week there's actually timing to them that's a, that's obviously that's a game-changing moment for you as a youngster we said last week that we'd maybe talk about some of the things that you've been told across your career that have really had a profound change. I think there's there is a difference. I think it's Tony Robbins that mentions this, that there's a difference between knowledge and profound knowledge and that there's knowledge that we can pick up tidbits of a bit of information here and there. And then there's ones that actually cause a shift or a tilt in the axis of your mindset. Did you have time, first of all, to think about any of those? And what was the first one that cropped up? Well, I think, I mean, I probably would look at it maybe not not specific things, you know, that I was told, but just kind of what I picked up along the way, like things like, you know, there's there's many different ways of achieving similar results. So there's not just one way to coach somebody. So lots of people will have different ways of doing it and different ways of in, interpreting the coaching and then interpreting the training. So, you know, I think one of the things that I learned, you know, throughout my career and, you know, there's been times when I've had to change coach because you get to a, a point where it becomes a bit monotonous and the same thing and you're not getting the same energy from the coach. So you need to change it up and just do something different. It doesn't mean that your coach isn't a good coach. It just means that you've got to a certain point and in or, you've plateaued out. So in order to take another step up, you need to be re-energized and, you know, you need to be, I suppose, in a, in a different environment or just given different training. I mean, it's probably the same amount and adds up to the same level of training, but it's just a different approach or different method of telling people. And it comes down to the trust and the belief in what the coach is telling you to do. And so if if you buy into what they're telling you, then you believe that this is going to help you to be better. Now, you don't know how long. This won't be forever, but it, at this moment in time, it's definitely helping you to be better. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to, like, I, there are a couple of things crop up there, right? The f first thought is Premier League managers is kind of what you're describing there, that they say, oh, it's time for a change of manager. It's not that the players are going to learn how to play football again. It's more they need it articulated in a different way so that their faith can be restored that it feels like they've gone as far as they can go with this. Am I, am, is that a fair analogy that as a solo athlete, the same rules apply? Yeah, it, it does. Definitely. I mean, you can, you know, you just sometimes you need to have the message coming at you in a different way. And people have different ways of expressing how they want someone to do something. And, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing for an athlete to ask a coach questions of why they're doing a session or, you know, you discuss what races that you're going to prepare for. But the problem comes when the athlete starts questioning the coach and kind of challenging them as to why am I doing this in a in a negative way. I think it's it's a really good thing for the athlete to understand positively why they're doing a particular training session or a particular kind of training program and where it's leading to. But I think when you start questioning it, then you're losing the trust and the belief and then it doesn't work. The the kind of the gel isn't there that, you know, gets the coach and the athlete all working along the same way. And, you know, you're both on the same track. So, so, that, so that's more that is like, I think that first of all, that makes me think, does that mean that the Irishman running abroad has a limited shelf life? Because at a certain point, I'll be like, Sanya, why am I doing this? What's this? What's this training schedule you have me on at all? Or is it that that's more of an elite athlete thing? That's an actual, you know, a pro pro stuff that you're talking about there. Or how does that apply to the recreational runner? like me and most of our listeners? Well, I mean, it definitely applies to everybody because, you know, what we're going to try and do here is get you to run a marathon and to get you to be as prepared as possible so that you enjoy the experience and you get the best out of it. But then when you cross the finish line in the marathon, then you're going to decide, do you want to do that again? Or do you want to, you know, run faster? You want to, like, really train hard? And yeah, so it is, it's what, what's next. And then you kind of think, okay, well, can Sonia do that for me? Or, you know, do I need to join a training group? <laughs> Maybe I need to, you know, be around more people because that's something that really helps a lot as well. And that can really change up, you know, how an athlete progresses and gets better is if they go from being coached solely by a coach and they're following a program to then all of a sudden meeting up with people and you're, you know, being challenged throughout the week, not just in, in races. OK, well, that's that's number one. I think that a lot of people will take an awful lot from that, uh, because sometimes I think that uh, we can find ourselves either if it's uh, in a gym uh, with a personal trainer and you're you're kind of feel like you're on a date with somebody you don't want to see anymore. <laughs> You know what I mean? Where you're like, I don't I don't like this. <laughs> I don't believe in the way this person is attempting to skin the cat. And as you say, there's a hundred ways to do it. From my own perspective, I think when I thought about this, about game changing learnings, I think the one that really resonates with me and you tell me if this is 
any featured in your career at all was the realization that it was a a sign of strength to ask for help now the irishman abroad <laughs> began with me sitting on my bed doing an interview with someone over the phone line figuring out how to record it and then at that moment realizing i have no clue how to edit upload or create a podcast and i picked up the phone and rang a fella i knew years ago brian connolly who's still the producer of the show and i firmly believe that if i hadn't in that moment had the courage to ask and just put down the ego for a minute and go look i don't know what i'm doing here can you help me that there's no way we'd be having this conversation and we wouldn't be 400 episodes into the series seven years down the road did you struggle with that side of things or does that that learning at all feature in your career oh it does definitely and that's a really big thing is the realizing that you've got to ask somebody for help and then you ask around who you should help and you might have a list of people and then you've got to be brave enough to decide to call somebody up and i've done that many times you know with with actual coaches but then also with um in gym gym coach scenarios that's a big one for me is to have somebody to help you with a training program in the gym because that's something that can get stale very quickly if the person who's coaching you isn't kind of changing up the exercises that you're doing because what happens is your body's getting used to doing the same exercises and you don't feel the same benefit that you did the first week you did it so you've got to change it up a bit so yeah no I've definitely done that on numerous occasions and you definitely see the benefit when you ca call somebody up and even like things, even other things like um, I notice that, you know, if I was going to do some yoga or something like that and I'd be thinking about it for weeks or Pilates or something like that. And I know that I need to do this and then I finally go and decide to do it. And then you say, why didn't I just do this weeks ago? This is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I even found no, it in terms of my mental oh my health God. that like this is a pretty dark time i mean let's face it i put up in the strava group strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash irishman running abroad is the club if you want to join it i put up that this was a hard week uh, last week and the amount of people that recognized that and understood that partially because of ireland moving into level five but just you know the dip after achieving that 10k and stuff the second i asked for help on that this literally the second I went, can somebody help me with this? Uh, and I went to see a counsellor. Um, game changing. And you, like you say, you do then go, what What the heck was I waiting for? Why did I, why did I wait? So I think that we can strike that down as, as number two. What What would you say is, is three for you, Sonia? What would be the third standout piece of learning that you've picked up from coaches over the years? So I think... You know, you have to be honest with yourself and honest with your coach. Like you have to tell them how you feel with the sessions because there's no point, you know, just banging away, you know, doing everything that they're telling you to do because it's written on the piece of paper. But sometimes if it doesn't feel right that you have to put your hand up and say, hang on a second, I think we need to check something here. This isn't right. Because the first, we call it like, it's like you're digging yourself a hole. The, the further and further you go without kind of checking in and I suppose admitting that you're not able to live up to the standard of the program 
you know, you're kind of all of a sudden it's getting a bit too much for you. So you're digging yeah. yourself a big hole and the deeper you go, then the harder it is to get back out of the hole. I mean, that, that's and, a really interesting one, right? Can I just stop you there on that one, right? Because if the observation here is that we need to be honest, we need to be honest with ourselves, we need to be honest with our coaches. It's a tricky one because I'm sure and I've actually read you speak about this, that we we can see the modern athlete or the modern modern person as being much more in tune with feeling this is this is not right or this isn't right or I I need to look at this. What am I trying to say? I bet I guess I've heard you say that in the old days, athletes were much more inclined to power through, whereas nowadays you've seen a lot more of people saying, well, I, I can't do it for this reason. I've got this. I feel like this might be a thing. Is there a dividing line on this honesty thing that you kind of need to know, well, well, what is the truth and not get caught up in what might be smaller bits of truth that aren't as significant to you? Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a bit like when you have something is a bit sore and then you have to work out, is this a real injury or is this something that I can run through? Because if you were to stop for every ache or soreness that you feel, then you wouldn't make any progress because you'd be stopping all the time because we all have aches and pains and things Discomfort. that, you know, yeah. Yeah, they just might take a little bit of time to warm up and to get through and then you start to feel okay again. And then when you finish up, it might be still a little bit sore. And then you're thinking about it all day and wondering if you can go out for the run the next day. And then that's a really tricky time when you have to kind of think, is this something that I really need to stop and think about? Or is it something that I can push through? And, you know, that's it's a very difficult thing to do. It's very different for every individual. And um, I know a lot of like training programs are a lot more managed these days because there's a lot more variables that you can measure like with you know the speed that you're running the heart rate some people do lactate levels um you know all these things that can kind of i suppose slow you down in a way because most athletes want to go out there and run hard and run fast all the time but sometimes you have to you know slow down a little bit to actually get a greater benefit. Yeah, well, the, like the honesty thing is a really interesting one because like you say, it is tricky. It is it is a tricky area in knowing different people's pain thresholds and knowing that maybe something that you're ignoring and not being honest about is something you need to be more honest about. Maybe you are in the mode of not self-deception, but bottling things up a bit more it's it's a very very tricky one but i know uh, that i guess it must just come through practice on you it must be that you just get better at reading the signs knowing your body and knowing your truth you do and then you also have to read the signs that some days you will feel tired because you have to learn how to feel tired as well and to realize that that's part of what you're doing you know if you're out there and you're pushing yourself along and and some days you will not feel as light and bouncy as as other days and 
sometimes the easy days you can feel worse because you go out there and you expect it should feel easy and you should feel good, but you're actually tired from the hard run you did yesterday. So it may feel a little bit harder and the only way it's going to feel easier is if you slow down a little bit. Well, that's and a really yeah, interesting, right? That That is a case in point for me at the moment, right? Uh, so you prescribed an easy run on Friday of 25 to 30 minutes. I got completely carried away with myself, which I'm sure you know the experience of that, that like you do the first 2K in a crazy time and you go, oh, maybe I should just go for it here. And I did that and was really proud of myself but kind of came home going, you were meant to take it easy if I can eat it. <laughs> you're, meant to, you're meant to rest today. But still, I was hopping around the place thinking I'm a great lad. Then comes Sunday. That's obviously the long run. I, you know, had it in my head. I'm going to beat my 10K time today. Just a notion that I took again, which again wasn't really the plan. But here I am on Monday and I look at the, the program that you've, prescribed. And my first thought is, I really want to do an easy 30 today, even though that's not what's on the list. But maybe you can do an easy 30 today and you can then do the session tomorrow because, you know, the days you can move the days around and especially because you're going to do a 5K at the end of the week. So that's where, you know, you can give me a call or message me and say, I'm feeling a bit tired today. I'm not really up for this. And sometimes you might not be up for it mentally even because you just feel generally tired and you feel like you've achieved something yesterday running the 10K. It's a bit faster. It felt easier than last week, but you know that it's obviously taken something out of you and you're weighing up, oh, can I go hard again today or will I take it easy? And then I'll be definitely up for it tomorrow. Well, it's a great segue into uh, mentioning again that our first official Irishman Running Abroad event takes place on October 31st. That's right, Halloween. We uh, organised this event uh, on strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash Irishman Abroad. Uh, and it's part of the Irishman Running Abroad challenge that I've set out there where you can join me and set your own bar, set your own goal for what you feel is a reasonable target or a high target for you to reach across the year. My target is 2000 kilometers in one year and I am raising money for Jigsaw.ie, our chosen charity partner here. And it's a fitting challenge because in terms of mental health, everybody is running their own race. What is your race and will you join me? We're already getting uh, the donations rolling in and I'm massively appreciative of that. I do also, Sonia, want to give a big shout out to everyone uh, who ran the Dublin City Marathon virtually. Some uh, loads of posts across Strava this weekend. Were you uh, were you enjoying seeing those or was there was a little bit of jealousy there? Um, I was checking up on a few people, yeah, who I'd been around recently and a lot of um, people from Cove were running the marathon and the half marathon. So I was getting updates on that um, online. Would you have um, done it yourself if you had been available? Uh, not the marathon, but I might have done the half marathon. Yeah, if I was back in Cove, then I probably would have, you know, linked in with someone for the half marathon. But the marathon, that's a big commitment now. And I would definitely save that for a big, big day with a lot of people because I know the energy that it gives you. And it, it's such a huge boost to do that. I know a lot of people, you know, would have their reasons, of course, for running the marathon virtually. And it gave them a lot of motivation over the past few weeks to get ready for that. 
Um, but the marathon for me is definitely a big challenge and it's something that, you know, you have to make a big commitment to really be ready to, to get out there yeah. and to enjoy it. Well, I have to say that uh, last week's episode was about speed and you prescribed this hill session for me and I honestly couldn't believe the impact that it had upon me. I put this up in the group as well. Go back and listen to that previous episode to hear that discussion about increasing your speed and doing these hill sessions. But I did one kind of easy enough hill session, but I did just feel like I had the juice in my legs come Sunday. I want to get on to a couple of things because when I was preparing for this episode, I was looking at, well, what are what are the these vital pieces of knowledge or information that people have picked up over the years? And there's tons of articles on this. If you want to go and look them up and Google them, there's loads of, uh, you know, top 10 game changing tips from the runners of the world. And your ones here that we've got so far are much broader. I mean, you're, you're, these are real, these are more life lessons. But the ones that uh, I, I stumbled across and see what you make of them was, the first one was walk breaks, including a walking break in your long run of the week. A lot of people said that this, they had it in their head that this is cheating. But in fact, what it did for them was it allowed them to re-energize their legs and go further than they ever thought. What do you make of that? Yeah, no, I would do that, especially now I would do it. I would often stop and like I'd have a spot where I was going to stop and get a drink, maybe if it was a hot day. Yeah. And then it's like you restart again. And sometimes I stop and retie my shoelaces. <laughs> and it's kind of an excuse to have a break. Yeah. And, 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 and mentally, people, yeah. People that you're running with will, you know, they'll keep running ahead and then loop back and come back and get you if that's what they want to do. Like everybody doesn't have to stop. But I know I've run with groups of people in Australia and definitely when it's quite hot and they all have a stopping point at the water fountain and regroup a bit like cyclists. They regroup and then they, you know, get ready and go again. That's a bit so of a like revelation, a though, Sonia. I think that loads of people think that if you do that, oh, it's that's it. It's over now. You cheated. <laughs> it's done. But that like, I think that's huge for me. I stopped on Sunday at a kind of a, a, a level crossing, you know, where the train goes by and just for a moment, just took some deep breaths because I felt like I'm halfway there. And uh, like it is actually just insane what even two minutes of that does. Yeah, or you can, you know, sometimes you might feel a muscle getting tight and you just stop and have a bit of a stretch. Now, the only time when you can't really stop, um, because you see, if you're out by yourself, you can stop your watch and then you restart it. So then you're not losing any time. But if you're in a race, then, you know, you're on you're under the clock of the race. So if you stop and walk there, then, you know, you have to believe that by walking, it's going to allow you to run faster in the second half. Because otherwise it's eating into your time, you know, if, if you're out there chasing times. But I know I know some people who've come back after injury, people who've come back after having a baby and they run at the local park run and they'll take a minute walking break every kilometer. And they actually run pretty fast for their whole time. And I think it gives people a lot of confidence to see how well they can run with a walking break. Wow, well, I'm and really glad I brought it up. This is great because I think I, I, I might be wrong, but I feel like that is something that a lot of people have in their head because I guess because you don't get to walk in a race, right? 
Well, you can even in a marathon. I've heard of people who they walk through the water stops because if you won't notice, but if you ever try and run through a water stop, <laughs> it's very hard to get a drink of water, especially if it's a cup. It's really difficult. If it's a small bottle and it's got one of those sports caps, then you can drink that and, you know, take it with you for a bit. That's not too bad. But I have heard people say that they stop, take the drink, walk through, walk, power walk through the water station and then get going again. Because sometimes if you try and drink water, it can go down the wrong way and you'd be coughing and spluttering. And, you know, it's you, you kind of get everything works out a little bit more efficiently if you stop, walk and get going again. Well, I think that's four tips today and probably a few other contained in with this episode that are really going to make a difference to people because I know myself just taking those rest days seriously is is a is a big change for me this week. Just being a bit more conscious that everything does have an impact, whether it's hills or resting. It really does. I might what I might do as well, Sonia, is I'll post in the Strava group. I think I've plugged the Strava group enough. <laughs> uh, a few of the other tidbits that uh, I stumbled across and maybe the listeners can add theirs. I mean, we want you to be part of this podcast. It is it is essentially a social thing that we're doing here. And the dream is that eventually we'll run that Dublin City Marathon in person next year at this time with as many of you joining us as possible. The email address, if you want to get in touch, is irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com. Sonia, I wish you the very best of luck. I hope that uh, you, I I don't know what I hope for you here. I just hope that you don't go mad in that hotel. I know that I would struggle with this. I had a little bit of a boost this afternoon as well because my sister actually lives in Brisbane and um, she lives about two kilometres from the hotel, which is amazing. Amazing. (laughs) um, So she came past this afternoon. Her daughter, um, my niece, goes to school across the road. I can see her school out my window. No (laughs) way. So she came to meet her daughter, Alison, after school and um, then I was waving to them out my window that I couldn't open (laughs) while I was waiting to see if the policeman was going to come and knock on my door. And I'd given up hope at this stage because they said, oh, no, it'll be after dinner because they're busy doing something. And while I'm on the phone to her, he knocks on the door and then I had to scurry and get my shoes and everything ready to get out because you don't want to keep him waiting mm. because <laughs> they might go to the next person. <laughs> and then I managed to get downstairs to the little walking ground and um, I jump up on the little step down there and kind of shout over the balcony at my sister and uh, my sister Gillian and and Alison. So it was quite nice to do that. And then she also, of course, had gone to the supermarket and I gave her a little shopping list to get me some fruits and fresh vegetables because, yeah, there's not too much of that here. Magic. Well, shout out to Gillian if she's listening as well. As I said, the uh, you won't be joining us on the 31st of October, Sonia. We won't be able to see your photos of your Irishman abroad running challenge. Uh, uh, but you never know. I fi- might find something. It won't be a fast life, but <laughs> Be running around in 30 second circles. It'll be the maddest Strava map that's ever appeared. 
check this morning's one you'll see what it's like <laughs> well, we will and we will send you the best of luck there Sonia and I can't wait to see how the listeners get on on October 31st as I said you can join up to the Irishman Abroad running challenge start raising money yourself for Jigsaw and the incredible work they do for uh, youth mental health in Ireland across all communities at idonate.ie just simply search the Irishman Running Abroad challenge or my name there and you can get in but uh, Sonia take care and thanks a lot we'll talk to you next week I'll talk to you next week and I'll be halfway through then so yeah. I'll, be, I'll be on the home run <laughs> exactly brilliant take I'll, care I'll Sonia thanks a lot have Bye. a good week